0: Hey, this is Matt McClure here, one of the lead pastors here at Takeover Church. Thank you so much for checking out this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. And just a reminder, we have got services every single Sunday at 5 p.m. And we would love to have a chance to meet you, to hear your story, and to welcome you home. Thanks again for listening today. Hope this message blesses you. Uh, I've got your notes tonight. The title of the message is this. Write this down. The title of the message is Soaked Up. Soaked Up. Turn and tell your neighbor, say, yo, you look soaked up. You don't really got to say, yo, that's just kind of a matogram. That's just kind of something I say. Huh? Kind of the only one. I invented, yo, way back in 1942. But yes, title of my message is Soaked Up. Y'all you got your Bibles tonight. I got people with Bibles. Who got an electronic Bible in the house? You got some electronic Bibles looking good. Anybody got a paperback? Got some paperbacks in the back? Yeah, Justin, I see you. I see a paperback. Okay, we got leatherback. Where my real Christians at? Where's my leatherback? Oh, we got another leatherback in the back. A few more leatherbacks. Who's got their family Bible? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know if anybody actually has those anymore, but I'm gonna start that tradition today. We're gonna get a family Bible. Y'all got a family Bible? Oh man. Good Lord, if my if my kids come out my height, when we were standing on our family Bible. That was a Bible joke. In the, anyways, um, it's going to be awesome. So if you've got your Bibles tonight, gosh, Matt, you're shooting 100 right now. Sweet. If you got your Bibles right, Gene, you're amazing. If you've got your Bibles right now, open up to Hebrews 6, 7 through 12. I'm rocking the NLT tonight, but it's also going to be up on the Sky Bible up here. So somebody say, hi, Sky Bible. Hi, Bible. We're going we're gonna to get a voiceover for that thing. It's going to be fantastic. But if you're there, say you're there. So if you're in the table of contents, say you're there. <laughs> Kidding, kidding. All right, we're going to rock this thing. So, verse seven, ready? <laughs> Ow! Oh, yeah! We got it. Fantastic. All right. Hebrews 6, 7, and 12, they gave you a little extra minute to find your place in your Bibles or Google it. No shame in that game, by the way. Google is your friend. You version Bible app. All these are amazing tools, okay? Electronic Bible is just as holy, I promise you. Ready? When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and he will burn it. Verse 9, dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, the things that come, the things that come with salvation. Is there anybody in here tonight that believes they are meant for better things? Things that come with salvation. Hello, verse ten. For God is not unjust; He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him and how you have shown your love to Him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Verse eleven. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts, in order to make certain that what hope, what hope, what you have hoped for, will come true. Verse twelve. Sorry, I got lost on hope. It tripped me up. You hope. Jesus, help me. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. There we go. Verse 12, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Does that sound good? Fantastic. Y'all mind if we pray one time? Jesus, we thank you so much for tonight, God. We thank you, Jesus, that you are in this place. At the presence of God, where two or more are gathered, Lord, we say it every week, there you are in the midst of us, Jesus. So we don't take this moment lightly. Holy Spirit, we invite you, as you've done this whole night, have your way. God, don't worry about us in this moment. We came here, Jesus, because we want more of you and less of us. God, we're not worried about inconvenience right now, God, or feeling uncomfortable, Jesus. God, have your way. We didn't come tonight to be comfortable, Jesus. We came tonight to be changed. Any saints in the house say amen. God, we love you and we invite you to have your way. In Jesus' mighty name of faith-filled church, said amen. So, soaked up. I think if you say soaked up soon enough, never mind. I got more jokes, but I'm going to leave them behind. I love, somebody's just like, just move on, bro. Enough with the jokes. Come on, stop. quick, quip. One person said they love the jokes. I'm not convinced. But yeah, so the reason I titled this series, Soak, or this, um, this message tonight, Soaked Up, is this, is because I want us to be a church and I want us to take, like I said, I want us to have that zeal and I want us to take that passion and I want to take that fire and I want to take that drive and I want to be as a church and as individuals. I want to see us take that outside these walls. But before we are able to take that outside these walls, I think there's a few things that we need to recognize about our passion inside these walls, amen? There are some things, I think we need to lay the groundwork, I think we need to lay the rule of thumb, I think we need to set the standard for the passion and the enthusiasm of what takes place in this room, give this its proper standing before we understand what we're going to do with it outside these walls. Does that sound good? And so the reason I love this verse and the reason I picked this verse is because, you see, when we go outside these walls, we're in the beautiful, amazing city called Grand Rapids. Does anybody love Grand Rapids? I love Grand Rapids. But uh, as if there's not a million reasons, great coffee, come on. Um, (laughs) Madcap, roasters, anything else, doesn't matter. But Grand Rapids is incredible, right? And so we're talking about going outside these walls. Grand Rapids is absolutely incredible. Grand Rapids has a hashtag called Experience Grand Rapids. Have you ever seen it? Have you ever clicked on it? Have you seen the amazing pieces of art, the wonderful picture of Jesus that was downtown, all of the art prize, all of these things going on. Who's been to art prize this year? How incredible is it? I love the hashtag Experience Grand Rapids, or GRMI, or just regular hashtag Grand Rapids. I love it all, okay? It's a beautiful hashtag. It's very well dressed up. Grand Rapids looks absolutely incredible on the gram. But I'm sure some of you know this from previous experiences that, how many of you know, we don't Instagram our bad days? How many of you know we don't Instagram when our hair is just not coming together, when our makeup's not going on, when we got a black eye from whatever it is? We don't, we don't Instagram the moments where we're fighting with our spouse and it's ugly. We don't Instagram those moments. How many of you know that when you go on Instagram or you put anything out there on social media, man, it is your highlight reel when only you and the Lord and a couple other people know of your blooper reel? So I love that hashtag. But I got a problem with the hashtag because, again, it just shows up the dressed up parts. But how many of you know sometimes as humans, we get dressed up just to cover up the messed up? Sometimes we just get dressed up. We put on our best attire. We get up in the day feeling like an absolute wreck, feeling lethargic, feeling like we've taken 18 steps backwards from the one step forward last month. We wake up like this sometimes after a bad decision. And in order to mask it, Mostly to our neighbors, but a lot of times to ourselves. We dress up, and we put on a mask, and we try to conceal and cover up what is going on behind the scenes, right? But just like anything that has a front, because that's what we do. We put on a front. When we go on the hashtag experience Grand Rapids, that's a front. It's somebody showing you their favorite part of Grand Rapids that day. When you take a selfie, it's people showing them the perfect angle that makes you look 10 pounds thinner. We want to present this to people on our best day, but more often than not, when we try and do that behind those pictures is construction. Is there anybody in here tonight that wouldn't say that behind your pictures you were under construction? Because my hand's up, I'm pretty honest. Some of us, you know, you go back there and you look behind the font and the front and there's a whole construction thing taking place. Some of us got our lights on. Because we're working around the clock on it. Jesus is working around the clock on it. And some of us, we ain't got lights on because we didn't know there was something that needed to be under construction on the inside of us. We didn't know that we were broken. We didn't know what was going on. We just thought this was how life is. I'm preaching to anybody tonight. Going outside these walls is a very, very beautiful place called Grand Rapids but it's best parts and the parts that God cares about the most are not the parts that you're going to see on Experience Grand Rapids hashtag. Just like the best parts about you that God cares about and breaks his heart over and wants more than anything are not going to be the images and the crops and the filters, the 16 filters that we put up on Instagram. That's not even the part. He wants on the inside. He wants what's really in Grand Rapids. He loves art prize, but he loves the people that make it up more, and he loves the broken marriages, and he loves the broken homes, and he loves the people who have addiction, and he loves the people who don't look like him yet. He loves the people that are far from him. This is our God. He didn't come simply to rescue Grand Rapids for the people who already filled church halls. He came for the broken down, the messed up, the jacked up, and even those of us. Who like to put on a mask and a facade and take Instagram photos, present a really well-crafted image. When we're incredibly fractured and fragile on the inside, he came for those of us that think we have it all together as well. He came for a city that loves to take photos of the parts that are really well put together. But we have a church on this side of town called Southtown where things aren't as beautiful, where things aren't as dressed up we're outside these walls that need you and they need me, and they need people who are going to fill this church one day. Multiple services, more campuses, all of these things that we have big dreams for. But it's going to be filled with Jesus followers and Christians who recognize that a mask and a makeup and a filter isn't everything, but God is interested in a heart. He is not interested in how we mask it. He is interested in that heart. Because he can't bless it. He can't change who we pretend to be. But he has sent us to some pretenders. Amen? So I want to preach a message tonight called Soaked Up. What does it have to do with anything? How does that get us outside these walls? Well, I'm glad you asked, church. Aren't you glad you asked? Verses seven through eight, he said this. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessings. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. I love that. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing, man. If we are ever going to make an impact on this city, we have to make what happens in this room have an impact on us. If we're ever going to see Jesus Christ Christ take over this city. Jesus Christ has to take over us, amen? If we are ever going to see our passion for Jesus and for people seen out there and felt out there and known out these walls, it has to be seen and felt and known in this room. It has to take place here before it could ever take place out there. We cannot get that twisted, friends. And I love this verse. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears good crop for the farmer, it is God's blessing. I love it because of this. The writer of Hebrews, most scholars would tell you it was Paul. The writer of Hebrews, is challenging us. He lays down the challenge to the church, to the Christian, to the individual Jesus follower, the person who says, I find God in nature. He puts you down notice in this verse. You and me. when I'm preaching to you guys tonight, to understand that this is exactly for me too. This is a word that I need to hear. This isn't some guy holier than thou up here on a platform shaking his finger at you. No, no, no. This is Matt who's been to jail. This is Matt who has a past. This is Matt who God called just as you are, who you are, who your past is and what it is. And God has called you. We are in this together to be soaked up together. Amen? And so I love this verse. Because he puts us on notice. He is saying, Man, there are really only two options for the Jesus follower. There's really only two options for the Christian. Because he's calling us the ground, if you haven't caught the beautiful poetic message yet, the parable that he's saying. He is calling us the ground. And he is saying that there is rain that will fall. He is saying there are things that we will consume, that we will put inside of us. And as the Jesus follower specifically, and in this passage, he is talking about church, where the good rain falls. The good farmer. You're a good, good farmer. No, I'm kidding. There's going to be a new uh, Farmers Only commercial yeah. that's just like Christian versions. You're a good, good farmer. It's going to be awesome. I'm taking Rusty's job just like he took mine. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Terrible. Everyone's going to leave church. Close the doors. Matt can't sing. He's putting us on notice that we are the ground. And if we were in these walls here, if we're going to allow the good rain to fall and to soak us up, to soak into us, if we're going to receive the word, if we're going to receive the worship, if we're going to experience this experience taking place, if we're not going to let worship just happen in our neighbors around us, but we're going to take place in it as well. Well, I don't really like to sing; It doesn't matter. I don't really like to lift my hands. It doesn't matter. If we're going to take this experience and take it to the streets, it has to have an impact on us here. How can a Christian, how could a Jesus follower have passion in the streets without having passion in the church? It has to consume us here. And so God is saying in this verse, the writer of Hebrews is saying to you and to me in this verse, he is saying, you are the soil and good rain is going to fall. And you have two options. You can receive that and you can make it because it says it produces good crops and then the good farmer is pleased, right? Do you know what the good crops are? Fruit of the spirit. Gentleness, kindness, tenderhearted, forgiven, all those good things. Fruits of the spirit. It's also the gifts of the spirit. All the gifts and the talents, your calling, your destiny. It's good fruit. How many of you have heard a thousand messages on good fruit? You're gonna get good fruit when you receive the rain, and let's not let the rain pass you by or put up your theological umbrellas because you don't agree with every statement that was said. You're in the room for a reason to receive what God has brought you to this house to, to receive. Amen. Yeah. You're not here by accident. He knew you were coming. He ordained you to be here, even if you thought everything was your plan and you got here last minute, five minutes into the message, he knew it. <laughs> so you're here to receive a word. I used to think that was a lie. I used to think that you can't receive from anybody. You Actually, you can learn something from anybody, even if it's the wrong thing. Even if it's like, nope, that's wrong. You can receive that. You can learn that and be like, man, I would never say that. Man, we had a, we had a guy in Grand Haven, I'm not going to put him on blast, um, we were associate pastors on Grand Haven um, for seven years, it was amazing, and he he's a guest speaker, he's awesome, he clearly didn't know much about the Lakeshore area, and he made a joke about um, how most people know 10,000 words, and then he made a joke about Muskegon only knowing 10, and all of us were going, oh, half our church is from Muskegon, like, you know, we're like, no man, don't, they, see, you can learn something from everybody, don't say dumb things on the pulpit with a microphone behind the word of God, even if it's a joke. It was hilarious, but we're like, no, don't, God, no. Everyone was like, I don't like that guy. Yeah, you know, we probably won't invite him back. It's cool. Um, he's got some DVDs for sale not in the foyer. Um, it, was, it was awesome. But you and I, we are responsible for what happens With what falls in this place, the presence of God, where two or more are gathered, there He is in the midst of us. How many of us can honestly say, week in and week out, we are taking advantage of the presence of God in here? Because I feel like if we were, we'd have a lot more prayer cards. If we were, I feel like we'd have a lot more praise reports. If we were, I feel like a lot of us would come a little bit more secure each week, a little less fearless each week, having less anxiety each week, because in this room and in the presence of God, we're two or more gathered where his presence is. There his power is. And we'd be laying a lot more down at the altar each week and we'd be coming fresh. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, we are responsible for what takes place in this room because of how we receive it. Because we're soil. The good water is going to come, man. We got worship. We got a good word. We, got a, we, we prioritize great offering messages here because we want to be a church that gets excited about being generous and giving and being faithful to what God says. So when we try to make noise for offering messages, just like we do in prayer, it's because it's a form of worship and our God is worthy. Yeah. And we want to take advantage of the moment. You see, unlike other churches, we don't see it as just a business that we tuck away. We see it as a moment of worship that we've purposed and saying, God, you're not just Lord of my heart. You're Lord of my wallet. You're not just Lord of my heart or my future. You're the Lord of my security. You are my security. Because there's a lot of churches in this country. There's a lot of people who fill those churches. There's a lot of people who sit right where you are every Sunday. They come in. They sit down. They might lift their hands. They might know one or two Hillsong songs that were on JQ99. Not as good as the album version, but they'll hear it. Is it too soon to take shots at Philip, Craig, and Dean? Kidding. Um, if you ever listen to JQ99, you're going to be like, that doesn't sound like the band. Sounds like a bunch of white guys. Um, i getting off base. But there are people that fill up churches every single Sunday and every single week all across this country, all across this world. They come into them, and they'll eat the cookies, and they'll eat the beverages, and they'll purchase coffee at most churches who make you, you know, pay for things that you tithe so that we can have. It doesn't make any sense. But they'll do that. They'll sit down. They'll worship. They'll know one or two songs. They'll even shout an amen. They might even tithe. They might even bring the whole tithe, Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. They might even tithe. But there are people who fill up churches every single week who are not taking the passion that they have in this room and taking it to the streets and taking it to their work and taking it to Meijer and taking it to the places that they go every single place for every single person made available to them. They don't do that. Instead, they come in and they clock in a sour hour and 15 minutes on Sunday. Because don't go over, Pastor. I got reservations at Applebee's. And you don't mess with my Applebee's. Okay? You mess with the Applebee's, I'm going to turn into a bee. You know what I'm saying? Too much? Too soon? Good laughs. Good laughs. And we come in the church and we punch our card. For an hour and 15 minutes, we do our religious duty. We might even give. We might even sing. But we come in. And then Monday through Saturday, nothing that experienced here, whatever took place in this room or in those rooms, nothing about it carries over into Monday through Saturday. No, no, no. We come in. We check in. We punch out. And that's where Jesus is in churches and in places all over this country. I don't think that when Jesus Christ left heaven, saw you from from heaven, felt everything for you, and needed to come and needed to rescue you and to interfere in this whole situation called sin because he was sick and tired of seeing you eat your tail repeatedly, going back to your vomit like a dog. He got over it. This was his plan, was to rescue you. And Jesus didn't leave the throne on heaven, put on a fleshly body, and get bruised, beaten, bloodied, unrecognizable as a man, and actually killed. Also, that you and I could check in for an hour and 15 on Sunday, easy, and go back to the rest of our life and our reservations, in the rat race of working nine to five, Monday through Friday, the mundane things between soccer practices and ballet appointments... That's not what he died for. He died so that the passion that we have in this room, what consumes us in this moment, that when we're here and we're losing our minds to that new takeover original, arrested, or we're singing, so will I. I wonder at the end of that song when we sing, when the rocks cry out in in silence, so will I. That's from the Bible because Jesus says, yo, if you ain't gonna praise me, if you ain't gonna worship me, I got some rocks that will do it because all creation sings my name. So I wonder if when we sing that song, if that's actually what our Monday through Saturday looks like. If we're here losing our mind in worship, doing our thing, getting our prayers shut on, and we're losing our mind, we're getting into it, right? We're doing our thing. I wonder if our worship in the middle of the week, and I'm not talking about with song, I'm talking about with our lives. I wonder if our lives look just as enthusiastic and just as prayer. I wonder if we wake up going, you know what? I'm freestyling right now. This isn't even my notes. I wonder if we wake up on a Monday and go, you know what? Devil, do your dirtiest because I'm going into Monday. Monday doesn't own me. I own Monday. I'm going to own this whole week. You can't steal nothing from me. You can't tell me anything different. I'm going into Monday, and I'm going into Tuesday, and I'm going into Wednesday, and I'm going to live on purpose, for a purpose, and with a purpose. Amen? I wonder yeah. if our lives will begin to look like that. So will I. The writer in Hebrew, he gives us two options. You can be good soil that receives the rain in here that produces good crop. Or you can be soil that receives the rain. Same rain. It's just the ones that produce the good crops are the ones that are doing something with it throughout the week. The ones that end up bearing th- thorns and thistles, we'll get to that in a second. They're the ones that don't do anything. They're the ones that will speak his name here but will never bring it out into the streets. He gives us two options. But I find it funny that he uses the parable of a good, good farmer. I'm mean, going to keep bringing it back. Rusty's sitting there going, oh, man, I wish we would have closed a good farmer. Um, but I love that he uses it because you want to know what's cool about farmers? Now you're looking at me like, what does this guy know about farms? I don't. My wife used to work on one, though. She's a boss. She's really cool. Super cultured. Great cooler than me. Talk to her. But what does he know about farms? I know this. I know that when a farmer employs people and they dig out a bunch of land and they plant seeds and they expect it to grow and they monitor it and they check for temperature and they do all these things they harvest at a correct time, when they do that, I know that their goal isn't to have 50 acres here or 50 acres there or 50 acres up north that they go and they till and do all the stuff and collect all the crop. I know that when they collect that crop, that crop is never intended just to feed their house. Some of you ain't catching on what I'm saying. I know for a fact that when a farmer does all of this stuff, puts all the money into it, buys up all the land, pays all the people to till it, to do all of it, and to harvest that crop, it was never intended just to feed the farmer's family. The crop was always intended to go out. Because the passion for my house, for God's house, has got to affect the passion for my house. My passion for God's house has got to affect passion for my neighbor's house. Because you know what happens if the farmer wishes to keep all that? Because it's true. The farmer does grow some crops to keep in-house, just like the church does. Because we in here and we're receiving it and we're putting up good fruit. And it's like, you know what? We're going to go out there and we're going to sign up to serve on a crew because you know what? This is where we're receiving. We're getting that good water by that good farmer. And we are seeing things change in our lives. It's not always easy, but it's getting better. And I'm not where I used to be. So I'm glad and I'm grateful. And God has brought me further even in a week because I've been in the presence of God. I've been taking advantage of it. You know what? I'm going to go and try and see if I can audition for the worship team. There's not really an audition process. We love everybody. Funny. I'm going to go, and I'm going to go hold signs out front so that somebody's first time experience at church can be one of loving and of warmth and of somebody smiling, saying, I'm glad you're here. You had a long week, but on Sunday, you made it. I'm going to sign up so I can be a part of Takeover Kids, and I want to affect the next generation. I don't even like kids, but I love Jesus, and you know what? If he can use me to reach the next generation, bring it on, man. I'm in it, because this is where I'm receiving. This is where I'm getting in it. Good, good farmer. So we do those good crops those gifts, those calling, those fruit, all those things that come from what takes place here, when we actually take advantage of it, and we begin to work this stuff out in our lives, and we receive, and suddenly we're nicer, and suddenly we're kinder, and we're being more personal with our language, and yada, 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 we're doing all these things. All of a sudden, it's like, yeah, I'm going to be involved where I am. Those crops, those gifts, yeah, yeah, that does stay here. Because some crops from the farmer does go to his dinner table to build up the family to feed the family, to strengthen the family, to lift the head of the family. They gather around the meal as a family, amen? So some of it is kept in house. If we were to keep all of it in house, though, and nothing ever left the farm, man, that would sit, and it would rot, and it would sour, and it would go bad. And those gifts and those talents and those dreams and those calls and those destinies, they would die right here at the dinner table. And I, as a lead pastor here, will never allow your gift and your call and your destiny to die in this house because you have a call and you are here on purpose and you need to go on mission for Jesus Christ in whatever it is that he's called you to do, even if it's not directly in this house on a Sunday. Some of you are going to be doctors. Some of you are going to be actors. Some of you are doctors. Some of you are uh, former FBI agents. I'm looking at you, Bob. (laughs) I saw you cameo on the X-Files. I know what's going on. (laughs) But some of us are called with giftings and things that don't significantly build up this house. But those calls, that destiny... Those gifts, those talents, the things that God's put inside you, man, they're going to be heightened, they're going to be strengthened, they're going to be fueled, you're going to be built up here, and you're going to be ready to go because of how you serve, and then you're going to take this passion in the house, and you're going to take it to the streets, amen? amen. So when a farmer would just keep it on the farm, keep it in that family, it would sit, and it would spoil, and it would go bad. That's not what he's called us to do. He's called us to take our passion for his house and take it to the streets. But our passion for the streets can never translate into our passion for our house. Because you can be excited about a lot of things out there that God's trying to pull you out of. There's a lot of things that are going on outside these doors that you do, that you partake in, that you don't tell nobody about, and God's trying to say, no, no, no. In my house, there is freedom. There is my presence. Come on. It's time to give it up today. Today's your day. Give it up today. Don't take it another day. Don't go out there one more time. Don't allow him to use you like that. Don't allow her to talk to you like that. Don't allow yourself to be used up like that. Don't go back to those needles. Don't go back to those things. No, 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 no. This is my presence. This is my power. This is your moment in this house. But for some of us, man, some of us live in this life. You ever seen, uh, we got these things in our house. They're called uh, motion detector lights. You ever seen one of those? We bought a house recently. We're down the road. Oakdale, what's up? We're over here. We got one bathroom in the house. First world problems? We got one bathroom in the house. It's dark at night. Big house. So we got these little, uh, I don't know what you call them, but they're the motion detector lights. So, uh, what? They're called night lights, but they're motion detector. Okay. <laughs> And God wants to do some things in our lives. But for some of us, some of us, our passion, our light, our call, what God has spoke into us, what he's cultivated here, what he's harvested here, what he's intending to go out and do with it, some of us, man, our call and our destiny and our purpose is kind of a motion detector. It kind of comes on when somebody walks in front of us. Jesus didn't say, you're the light of the world to anybody who walks in front of you. No, no, no. Jesus said in Mark, we can put it up on the thing. Mark uh, la, 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 where you at? Mark sixteen fifteen. he said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation, to the whole creation, okay? That doesn't come with happenstance of running into somebody, somebody coming by us and just entering our veins, somebody just having a bad day by walking in front of us. No, 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 this has purpose. This has intentionality. This has a motive and an action. What's the motive? Jesus. What's the action? Going out of our way, living on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose, to have people both near and dear to us and far from us know the love of Jesus. And can I tell you this tonight? Can I be so bold to say this? For a lot of people in this world, you will be the only Jesus they will ever interact with. The only one. The love that you give them, they may never get there for themselves and come to know him. That breaks my absolutely breaks my heart. I can't handle it. But man, how good would it be if they lived 95 some years of life and they knew that you loved them beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond any measure, there isn't nothing too bad they could do, there isn't too far that they could run that you wouldn't find them, that you love some people on purpose and they felt that love, that intentionality. But some of us, we have this thing and we live on happenstance and we live on accidental and we just wait for somebody to come in contact with us. Can I tell you the truth tonight, church? Jesus said, go into all the world. There are some people in this world. There are some people on the highway that could do more with our silent prayers than they can our finger. There are some people at Meijer and at grocery stores that could do more with us, giving them a smile instead of being off in our own world listening to our headphones in public. Can I tell you tonight, church, that there are people that we are, that need us, that are hungry for the crops that are coming up in this farm that you have yet to give them. Some of us have been living on the same block for 16 years, and we don't know all of our neighbors yet. They don't know that we love Jesus yet. But because we're on that block, that block should be better because we're there. That dorm should be better because we're there. Our workplace should be better because we're there. Amen. But this is how the devil gets us, right? Because we're like, oh, yeah, go into your world, is what churches say. No, no, Jesus said go into all the world, not just your world. Because we get it twisted, right? We're like, yeah, when I'm at work, I'm going to be on for Jesus. Well, I didn't realize that the light of the world, when he said, you are the light of the world, that came with an on and off switch. So when I'm at work, I'm going to be the light of the world to my coworkers. And when I'm at my family reunion once a year, I'm going to try and show people Jesus. No, 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 he said go into all the world. We don't have a choice in this. It's not something that we just get to flip on and flick off. No, 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 no. He said, like go into all the world for whole creation, for everybody, not just the people we see on a daily basis. For us, we get it twisted. We hear your world. Go into your sphere of influence is what we say, right? In churches, your sphere of influence, your world, where your arms reach, where you have influence. No, 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 I don't think when Jesus made this statement, it was ever intended for us just to operate with where we have influence already. No, no, no. Because uh, yes, there are some family members and there are some coworkers and there are some babysitters and there are some people at our nannies or wherever it is that we run into people that we see on a daily or weekly basis that, yes, need us to show the light of Jesus. But man, Jesus Christ, again, did not go for the cross for our happenstance Christianity. He came for some purpose, amen. He came for some intentionality, amen. He came for us to go into all the world. Even if we disagree with their political views, even if they're outside of picketing on something that we don't agree with, even if they like guns and we feel like it's bad, Whatever it is that we feel like separates us from anybody, tribe, color, creed, histories, background, he's like going to all the world for whole creation. But it's funny because I think for a lot of us as Christians, And again, just like he says in that verse, I'm saying these things, not that I think that this applies to you necessarily, but we're just drawing some issues into light. So when you hear this tonight, it's not that I think for every single one of us, this applies to us directly. And I'm calling everybody out in our church. No, no, no. Just like the writer of Hebrew, there are two ways this gets to go. There are two options that we have when it comes to the presence of God and what we allow to affect us and impact us in this room and how we allow that to translate here because truth is, church, Sunday has to affect our Monday. But that's kind of easy, though, because it's right next door. So can I tell you the truth? Sunday has to affect Saturday. Who we are when we leave here, what we do when we leave here, who we reach. Again, we say reach because reach implies action and motive. It's not happenstance Christianity. It means I am purposely reaching out to you. How's your week? How's your life? How's your ma? Hey, I just met you, and this is crazy. You should come check out my church. Maybe six people. <laughs> but he's calling us to live on purpose, with a purpose. That sound good, church? Because can I tell you something else that begins to happen in the church, in this room, in churches all across America? This is what happens, right? Man, I was, okay, first of all, can I be honest with you real quick? Anybody in here hate doing dishes? Come on. Hate doing dishes? Hate doing dishes. Hate it. Loathe it. Dishes, truth be told, It's a chore that has to be done because I like to eat off something clean most of the time. There are those Saturdays where you're kind of like, you know what? Forget about it. It's fine. I don't know what that is, but it doesn't look like it has a mold on it yet. It's good. It's still gray. It's not black. We're all right. You know? I really hate putting dishes away. So really doing dishes... It's just like the prelude to the part where you have to like dry them or let them dry and then you have to come back later as a prolonged experience then you got to put them away. Absolutely hate it. But these are the menial tasks that are part of life, right? Anybody an adult in here? Okay. My wife was like, yes. She knows. Pray for me. Pray for her. But I hate doing the dishes, right? But you know what's kind of funny? As I find as Christians, we relate more to house sponges than we care to think we do. Just think about it, right? House sponge. Anybody yeah, have a house sponge? i saying it right. You wash dishes with it. You got a house sponge. You put it in the hot, soapy water. Get in there. Get it saturated. Get soaked up. And then you go, and you're used, right? And we wipe away the debris and all the extra barbecue that I thought I could eat and didn't have enough chicken for. I'm, I'm very wasteful as well as lazy. Pray for me. <laughs> and I do that, and the water gets all red, and then there's like ranch, and the water gets all whatever white and red makes, pink, and it's just nasty. Doing the dishes, right? Christians were like a house sponge. Because we're made to soak up, and we're made to clean some things up. We're made to fix some things in people's lives. We're made to be in the house and clean some things up and speak words of knowledge and hope over people, words of encouragement over people. But do you know what the other part of the sponge is? There's a part when you're using the sponge and when you're cleaning things up that the sponge actually, once it's soaked up and once it's been used and once it's done some cleaning, once it's actually been effective with its purpose, what God put it on the earth for, it has to be wrung out. It has to be expunged. Dad jokes. I'm not even a dad yet. Pray for me. It has to be expunged. It has to be rinsed out. It has to be wrung out. It has to be squeezed. And what was once in it has got to come out. Do you know what happens if we were just to sit in this room like a sponge and absorb all of this good water? Do you know what happens to a sponge when it's used, when it takes part in the cleaning of something, when it's been in a sink and it's been in filth, but man, those dishes came out clean better than they went in? Amen. Sounds like church, right? Do you know what happens if you don't wring out that sponge? That sponge begins to get hard that sponge begins to sour. That sponge begins to sour and stink so bad that it starts to stink up a whole entire part of the kitchen. If you've ever smelled a soured, rank, milk-ridden sponge that is now harder than a rock, and it made your ch- kitchen stank, somebody say, amen. It's nasty. But if we're not careful as Christians with this word, with this worship, with this moment, if we just let this pass us by each and every single week, do you know what happens? We become like that stagnant, sour, saddened, terrible-looking, pretty much no more use in it, hard as an absolute rock of a sponge. And then how the devil gets us there is like, you know what? Now that I'm sour... Because trust me, Christians, we can't be salty like the world because we're already the salt of the earth. But we can be sour. But we can get hard. And we can come in here, and we can see ourselves soaking up everything and getting all this. And when we do nothing with it, as we begin to sour, as we begin to mold, as we begin to get hard, man, we start to get bitter. We start to get hard. And suddenly, it's like, you know what? I think it's my church's fault. Like, here I am, I tithe every Sunday I give all the time, I do this thing, I'm here, and you know, I just don't feel fed. I would starve too if I only ate once a week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's my crew leader's fault. My crew leader, you know, I just I feel like I have all this potential on the inside of me. I'm in church and I'm hearing all this all the time, and I just want somebody to let me lead. Like, can I just lead the crew meeting for once? Can I just talk about the message on Sunday? Can I just send out some messages and get people here? Can I just have some responsibility? Well, I mean, how can somebody trust you with responsibility? In discipleship if we can't trust you to be outside using what is happening in this room to affect your neighborhood and your neighbor and your coworkers and the people that you run into who are complete strangers? How can we offer you that platform to exercise that gift if on your own time you're not exercising it yourself? How can we expect, I mean, for a lot of Christians, we kind of get this twisted, right? Jesus called us fisher of men. That's not always a Christian. We get confused in the church. We talk about leaders. We talk about pastors. As Christians, it's not just up to the leaders and the pastors. We are all leaders. If we're a Jesus follower, we got somewhere to lead people. Amen? That's but we're out here, and it's not just leading Christians. We don't just lead in church. We lead 360 degrees, 365, 366 on leap year. That's probably wrong, but it was a good joke. This is what we do. Jesus did not come so that we could sit and that we could sour, friends. He came so that this passion and his presence could be felt through us. Because there are some things in this room tonight that Jesus is wanting to do away with. There are some things on the inside of us that Jesus is wanting to expunge from our lives. Different context than the last time I used it, but there are some things here tonight that, man, we've been carrying and we need to get rid of if we're going to be effective. There are some things in this room tonight that are actually here because of the presence of God that some of us need to actually soak up and hear and take with us and have affect us the second we leave this place, the second we pass that threshold, the second we go into work tomorrow, the second we decide what our Saturday plans are, we will run our Saturday plans up against what we heard on a Sunday and decide if that's me going into all the world and bringing the message and the love of Jesus to the whole creation. Or it's just me going into wherever and fulfilling my own needs and wants and desires. And there are some things in this room tonight. Can I read the rest of the scripture to you real quick as we get ready to close? I got no clue what time it is. Oh yeah, we run it over. Hebrews six nine through twelve says this. Dear friends, even though we are taking we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. That's a word for somebody tonight. You are meant for better things, things that can only come from salvation. Worship team, you can begin to make your way up here. I know Rusty's MIA, but I trust you. Verse 10, for God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. Not when you want to put your light on, not when it's convenient, not when it's not going to cost you your reputation, not when it's not going to cost you your job, not when it's just convenient for you to speak up, not when you can finally pull somebody aside and not be embarrassed by your Christianity. No, no, no. As long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. There are some people in here tonight that have some hope that has yet to come true, and it has to do with the fact that we haven't taken this passion, soaked up what's happened in this room, and taken it to the streets. Because friends, there are some things that God wants to unlock in your personal lives, outside of your church lives, some promotion he wants to give you, but that can only be attained when we take advantage of this moment. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? Is there anybody that wants God to take them to that next level? That wants that new season of promotion? That wants to come into better things? That wants a new home? That wants a better marriage? That wants some financial things to turn around. Is there anybody in here tonight that would like to have less anxiety and worry and fear and not turn on NPR and not hear any good news? Is there people in here tonight that are ready for that next season with God? And friends, we have to take advantage of this moment. Bunker, you can have your stand back, my man. What we're going to do is this. Would you guys stand as we get ready to go back into worship for just a moment? The song is called Build My Life. It's kind of purposeful tonight that we're singing a song at the end of service talking about building my life as we're talking about soaking things up. Because friends, this is the invitation. This is your moment once again. If you didn't get it, the first four songs, I pray the fifth one is the moment. If you're looking for a sign tonight... That this is your next step in your next season and God is going to start doing some things in your life that you never believed was possible. That you didn't know that you had purpose. That you didn't know there was more for you. This is your moment. You have to take advantage of the presence of God here in this moment. And we're going to declare tonight that, you know what, I'm not going to build my life on what I can ascertain, what I can bring in, how much money I can get before I go. No, no, no. I'm going to build my life on the only secure rock that can actually hold me, and that's Jesus. We have to decide tonight that we're going to build our lives not on those things that plague us Monday through Saturday, that guilt, that shame. Friends, the Bible says, now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. What's condemnation? Shame, guilt, regret, the things that come in around us at night and we worry that it's like a looming shadow that's just going to eclipse the rest of our lives because we messed up when we were 16, because we messed up when we were 19, because we messed up in our marriage, we have this idea that it's just going to eclipse us for the rest of our lives. No. There is no eclipse there is no shame there is no condemnation but some of us have been carrying it around that presence of god right now wants to eclipse that eradicate it and make sure there is nothing going into this week into this world outside these walls but love and joy, and acceptance, and understanding, and a warm embrace that he's never going to leave you. You can't run far enough and fast enough where he can't chase you down. He's bigger than you, and he's bigger than your mistakes, and he's bigger than your past. So tonight, I want to invite you to build your life on Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, usually we wait till after the song, sometimes you into this family called Christianity, into this kingdom called God, into this new season beyond your current life. But right now, I feel like this song would probably mean a lot more to you. You'd probably sing it a lot louder. you probably have a lot more passion. It'd probably sink a little bit deeper on the inside of your soul. It'd probably mend a few more things. If right now, you just surrender whatever it is to God, what I'm going to do is this. If you're going to surrender your life to Jesus right now and make him Lord over all of your life, every hurt, every doubt, every season, everything that you don't even mention, every area, would you just put your hand up real quick? Just long enough and high enough so that I can see it. Yeah, see that hand? See that hand? See that hand as well? There's another hand back there, fantastic. All right, you can put those hands back down. If you're in this place... And you don't just want to rededicate or give your life back to Jesus. But you're saying right now, there's more believers in here than just me. The presence of God is in this room. And there are some things that I need to lay down right now. If that's you, would you also put your hand up? Nobody's looking around. Nobody's judging. I see those hands. Yeah, there's hands up all over this place. Feel free to join in, friends. Yeah, that's amazing. We got open hands right now because we are dropping it. We are not carrying it. We are not hiding anything from God. We have open hands right now because that stays here and it dies here. As from this moment forward, we begin to build our lives on Jesus Christ. So let me pray with you before we get to the song jesus i just thank you so much for tonight i thank you for every single soul in this place right now god who is the side of jesus that we're going to soak it up whatever you have for us in this moment your word your worship god the things that you're stripping away the things that you're taking from us god we are soaking it up right now god and we are saying less of me and more of you i'm done being in charge of my own life and my own mess god take the helm whatever it is God take the lead I lay it down right now whether it's my life my past my future my present situations my waves that seem above my head right now God I lay it down in this room I ain't taking it with me instead I'm going to take your presence I'm going to take your power I'm going to take your word, God, and we're going to see some good fruit and some good crop, and we're going to see a harvest in my week. I'm going to see some victory in my week because I'm going to build my life on Jesus. It's not just going to stay here with me in this room any longer. No, God, we're building it on you, and we're going to the streets if we're a Jesus follower. God, we know that you're always leading us somewhere because if we're following you, you're going somewhere. Jesus, your word shows that you are always going towards people. So take us outside these walls to some people that we like, that we don't like, that it doesn't matter because they need your warmth and your love. God, we lay all prejudice down. We lay all worry down, all anxiety down all fear of rejection and smeared reputation because we're building our life on your reputation on the cross as a good, good father. In Jesus' mighty name, we said, amen. Let's worship.